Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello, everyone. Dave. Hello, podcast. And Tori. Hello, Internet. We started a week with good things, so Craig, thing. All right. Um, so I know we're not doing like a super big thing, uh, but I, th- I think this is Women's History Month in, in the U.S. Um, but like I said, I want to do a super big thing like we did last month, but a little, little thing. Uh, so today, my good thing is a person that I would like to talk about who's super cool and you guys should totally look her up if you don't know who she is. It's your uh, daughter. And uh, you cannot look her up. No. Maybe uh, she's... Go on. So, you're uh, just, she's you're just like... future-proofing us is, what it, is what's going on. Oh my mother... gosh, Craig. Craig, I, I could hear the dad in your voice just, no, you can't look up my daughter. What are you... <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, she's like considered the mother of investigative jur- investigative journalism. She her name is Nellie Bly. Well, that's her her writing name, Nellie Bly. But she's super cool. Uh, She put herself at risk for a number of different stories and things. I mean, it's investigative journalism. It's a thing that didn't really exist until she came around, sort of. I mean, uh, give or take. Um, She she worked with Pulitzer of of Pulitzer Prize fame. I forget his first name, but Mr. Pulitzer. And uh, anyway. Uh, what she's most well known for is that she got herself committed to an insane asylum for 10 days, which back in the 19th century, that was a life sentence. And, and, and that is bad. Like if, if no one was willing to care for you, you were sent there for life and conditions were absolutely horrible. And nobody knew until she went in to find out how bad conditions were and then wrote about it. And then there was like, you know, they went to court cases and stuff and they they supposedly cleaned up. But um, anyway, it was horrible. And she got the word out. She's also known for repeating um, Jules Verne's Around the World in 80 days. She did so in 72 days at the time. Um, And in the process of going around the world, she also stopped by and interviewed him while she was doing her 72 day uh, around the world round trip. So. It's pretty cool. Um, she's she's really awesome. And and again, this was at a time and age where um, this stuff didn't really happen. So Pioneer, really cool. Uh, go check her out. Neat. Dave. Dave, good. I, good thing. I think I, uh, think I saw her in a crossword puzzle once. Yeah, probably. Dave, she do a good nice. thing before I start talking about how I think uh, Doc Brown's favorite author shouldn't have been Jules Verne. It should have been H.G. Wells. Stop me, please. I'm I'm actually I agree with you, Mike. Go on. Oh no, we're getting into this. Okay. <laughs> well what was he gonna name his kids then? Was he gonna name his kids H and G? I don't well, sure, so. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Alright, uh, my good thing this week is Final Fantasy One Randomizer. Uh did a few of them uh last month and they were a lot of fun. I mean, you just all of the uh all of the things that kind of hold Final Fantasy back in Modern gaming, it's like, well, mostly encounter rates and grind fests and stuff like that are, are kind of coded out of the game. And then you just have to 
uh, go around and find, you know, all the Wait, items I, you need to defeat the four fiends and get into the uh, the temple at the end and kill the main boss. I have questions. Yeah. So if if uh, you do, it took out the grind, does that mean you don't need levels or anything? Well, no. It's just you can scale things like uh, you can just do, you know, like you get double the XP and half the encounter rate and stuff like that. Okay. So you still you still can you know you still have options to fine tune it how you want. But uh, honestly, the thing that really makes it uh, nice is well, I the couple of times that I've played it, I made all of the shop items free, so all of the armor and weapons and magic spells were all free all the time. And the ma- magic spells were randomized also, so like I would have uh, fade or nuke, which are the game's top most powerful spells like i'd have them in level one or two spell slots i got pretty fortunate in in the seeds that i rolled and i got really op spells early on but and and that that helped a lot plus they fixed all of the glitches so like the dragon sword actually does damage bonus damage to dragons and stuff like that and and like the stop spell actually stops things yeah and uh what is it temper actually makes your weapon stronger instead of weaker uh so yeah been able to knock a mountain a couple hours with you know coming in with pretty pretty good knowledge of the original final fantasy and where to look for uh key story items and things that does sound fun i might have to try that um, yeah hey mike to go yeah, along Greg. with the earlier point um i also don't like that doc brown idolized thomas edison because thomas edison is more of a ceo rather than an inventor right yeah, but, but did they know that back in the 50s well the 80s and no, I um, think the guy who idolized him would would have known that, and he should have idolized, you know, Tesla or someone. Also, I mean, from a writer's perspective, that might not have yeah, been the writers by the know. masses. Yeah. Okay. Well, even if they did know, their audience wouldn't know. Go on, Mike. Uh, Dave, you were done, right? Yeah, Final Fantasy One randomizer. A lot of All fun. right. Uh, my good thing this week is a YouTube series called "What Makes This Song Stink" by Pat Finnerty. Uh, he goes through, there are six total episodes, including, or not including, there are also some, like, shorter non-episodes, he calls those little stinkers. Um, anyway, six total episodes that do, like, a deep dive on a specific song to try to figure out why it's bad. Uh, my favorite episodes are three and six. Number three is Weezer's, um, Beverly Hills, and number six is Red Hot Chili Peppers' Danny California. And I think the fact that I actually like some stuff from both of those bands makes the episode better because you're spending like 30 to 40 minutes listening to a song over and over again, like bits of it. So it helps if like there's some there's some appeal to that while you're doing it. And yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. What makes this song stink? Pat Finnerty. All right, Tori, you're up. I like analysis like that. So this week, my good thing is uh, a new movie that just came out on Netflix. Uh, At the time of recording, it just came out this past Friday, uh, and it's called The Atom Project. So it's directed by uh, Sean Levy, or is it Levi? Uh, Whatever, the guy who did Free Guy. Um, And it stars Ryan Reynolds, who was also in Free Guy. But Ryan Reynolds plays... uh, Adam, who is a time traveler, who um, 
has traveled back uh, from 2050 to uh, today, 2022, um, for reasons that I won't spoil here. But again, for reasons I won't spoil here, he has to enlist the help of his 12-year-old self. And it was a wonderful movie. It was absolutely delightful. It was just the perfect mix of humor and action and heart like I, I would compare it to Flight of the Navigator in, in, in terms of uh, tone. And it was just so good. There were some really fun action scenes. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is getting so good at those <laughs> in these days. And, um, and the kid that plays young Adam, uh, I looked him up earlier, but I feel so bad. I don't remember his name. Um, He's he portrays a young Ryan Reynolds just just perfectly. Like uh, they nice. really got the because um, Ryan Reynolds does the the smart mouth comments, you know, and and part of that is whoever wrote the script just does Ryan Reynolds so well. But uh, this kid, the delivery of the lines, it was perfect. And um, Mark Ruffalo is in it, plays Adam's father, and just fantastic. Uh, performance from him um, again I don't want to spoil it for you guys but it was a fantastic movie and uh, I highly recommend it go give it a watch I mean days they should make a time travel movie where they actually record the past scenes in the past like start, and then like, like wait 15 20 yeah. years and finish the movie yeah <laughs> and it'd be like why is the quality of this film different after 20 years but it's like oh it's it's part of the the feel it's, it's artistic <laughs> well, what was the that is, it wasn't it, a time travel movie but what was that one with ethan hawk and there was a little boy that yeah and and they they filmed it like over a period of i don't know 10 or 15 years wasn't it yeah wow it's still my idea yeah they they did that it's not a time travel movie, but no, it's that's, it's just about done. the boy growing up, and and they they kind of film it in real time. So a lot of things you said, Tori, they checked the boxes. I love Flight of the Navigator. I, I love no, time I travel. Those boxes are Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, yeah. Well, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds actually, in, yeah, he's good. He he checks the box. Um, no, I really think you'll like it. Just just from what I know of you, I think you'll like it. Absolutely, I'm already watching it. Bye, guys. So the most important part of Flight of the Navigator that I really hope they nailed for this is getting Paul Rubens to voice a robot. <laughs> that, that's the most important thing, right? No, there weren't any robots, actually. I mean, go watch Flight of the Navigator robot. again and tell me there's another point to that movie. There's totally a robot in Pee-wee's Playhouse. I, I have I, I recently watched right. Flight of the Navigator. And am I wrong? Uh, that, that little critter thing that he carried around in his pocket, that was always my favorite part. And and the Beach Boys soundtrack, of course. <laughs> All right. So, Dave, you, gosh, we're on chapter 38. We got to be done with this book by now, right? We're on chapter 35. Yeah. Through 38. Chapter, There's chapter a few 30. more chapters after that. Just a few. We're already done part one. They were basically in, in the Tsunamiville. We're basically there. <laughs> Uh, wait, what do people call it? The hurricane? The Sander Quake? What do they call Sander it? Sander Tsunami? No, we Sander call it Lanch. the Sander It's tsunami. actually called the Sander Lanch, but I Sander think it should Lanch. be the Sander Tsunami. Sander yeah, Lanch we, we like, like that better. Sander Lanch sounds like the name of a deli. I would eat at that deli. <laughs> oh, man. 
Yeah, give me a give me a large sander lanch. Uh, <laughs> hold the coleslaw. Yeah. There aren't there aren't many delis where I wouldn't eat. Let's be honest. All right. So what did you say? Chapters thirty-five through thirty-eight of Oathbringer by our good friend Branson. By Chapter Yakov 35. Smirnov, who who has a show in Branson, Missouri. He still has a show. As far as I know, yeah. I mean, I Chapter I thirty-five. Here, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it. Chapter 36. We're skipping. Chapter Wait, 35. First into the sky. New chapter logo. It's the bridge for our armband. Uh, new chapter logo. Sigzel dreams about forgetting how to read in his underwear. Stupid, sexy Kaladin. Art <laughs> and Sigzel? Bridge for auditions? Lynn? Good clerk questions. I was going to eat those emeralds. It's like it's a snack. Wait a minute, I was gonna eat those. <laughs> now we get to the part where Craig interprets the bullet points. Uh, I have to look at them. New chapter logo. We've you already explained that one. Happening? Cause I, can, I actually read the chapters. So nice. new, new chapter logo. Like Dave said, it's the Bridge 4 logo. Look at that. It's a patch on an arm. Um, an arm patch, one might call it. The reason for that is because Sigzel is... So wait, is his name Sigzel or Sigil? <laughs> it is Sigzel. We've gone Sigzel, over this. Like, if you just glance at it just right, it does look sort of like Sigil. If you just take off your yeah. glasses and squint real hard and stand 20 feet away. If you say it fast, Sigzel, it sounds like Sigil. Like, I feel like that's intentional. That's all I'm saying. Oh, you're saying Sigzel. Okay. Uh, d- didn't, uh, didn't your brother make the comment how his shortened name should be Sig. Wait, Sig. I don't know. I can't even say it instead of Sig. But his name is Sigzel. So yeah, the shortened form of his name is Sig. But if you pronounce his name as Sigil, then it makes sense <laughs> that his nickname is Sig. Why are you laughing yeah. at that? What What am I saying? That's weird. It's just the whole meme of you pronouncing stuff. Like it's. I all... do say Sigzel. Oh. I do say his name Sigzel. Uh. Okay. Tori. That's that's all I'm getting at. Is that what's fine? the audiobook say? Sigzel. Yeah, Sigzel. Okay. I anyway. I b- would say since he's Azish, they pronounce all of the letters and separately. Alright. Yeah, I bet so. the Azish don't stand for silent letters. I bet they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like me at the time. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's continue. Um, Yeah, so Sigzel is our point of view this chapter. That's why we had the Bridge 4 logo, so that's cool. Um, So Sigzel, it starts with Sigzel having a dream or I, th- I think he he d- he mentions it, but he had a dream where he actually sort of forgot to read. Um, specifically, Azish, because in his dream he's taking the government exam, and yes, I guess he was he in his underwear. I guess he was. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, but he in, forgot. In the, in the movie it, version, he is. <laughs> was it that dream where you're sort of standing there naked, wearing sort of sun god robes? And a thousand women are throwing little pickles at you? No, I think that was in Warbreaker. <laughs> that sounds like a Warbreaker dream. That might have uh... just been a, a Hoyt illusion. No, it's the it's the reference I make every time we do a dream thing in these books. Go watch Real Genius. Stop bothering me. Alright, so then I don't know actually why we said stupid sexy Kaladin. Did you remember? Did, did he have his like, shirt off? Yeah, he's got his shirt off. He's doing push-ups and he's gleaming with sweat. This is the fan service Kaladin scene. Ah, got it. Well, there hang on. Go. Something else happens before this. Sigzel cuts himself shaving and then 
eats his light that he was using to shave by. Ah, good point. <laughs> that's annoying. That's annoying. And, and then Lopin is hanging from the ceiling. Well, that's just natural. Um, Typical Lopin. <laughs> yep. Uh, Ardent Sigzel. Sigzel doesn't uh, know how Lopin got up there, and neither do I. And neither does Lopin. <laughs> so he just lash himself upward? Well, he doesn't Sigzel know how to has, lash. Uh, Sigzel well, has been working it. as the town ta- or the uh, Bridge Four's scribe, but really he shouldn't because he's not necessarily trained to do so, and he's got a lot of stuff to do. Like he- he'll handle some of the work, but they really need an actual scribe. He's also like, isn't this woman's work? Yep. The uh, the point also is that, you know, when he was growing up, everyone told Sigzel that he should be an ardent when he grows up. Yeah. No. Yeah. That wasn't Sigzel. That was a different yeah. character. Next mm-hmm. chapter. Yeah. Why did I write it here? Uh, I, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, oh, also... because he was, he was, um, Kaladin said something to him about being Bridge Four's uh, moral compass. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, this is uh, where Sigzel brings up that he does want to provide some of that teaching to those in the uh, in Bridge Four because they don't really have. Oh, yeah, because they don't really have an ardent. So normally they would have someone that they could turn to to discuss certain uh, moral quandaries. And and Sigzel has has been Bridge Four. And, and I, yeah, I think like, he, wants, like... he wants to do that. And there are four religions represented within Bridge Four, not yep. counting Teft. Because <laughs> he doesn't know religion. what Teft is, he doesn't even know how to uh, handle that. This is the also. This also is the conversation where we get the little world building bit that uh, apparently in Azir you have to register to be gay. Yes, you have to fill out the proper paperwork. Okay. Come on, he didn't fill out the proper <laughs> paperwork. I mean, that's I, it's bad, but I guess not as bad <laughs> as. Prejudice I get. really, I really <laughs> bet that Azir is the kind of place where you have to have a license to have kids. No, yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just betting. My interpretation of Azir is that you need paperwork for everything, not just uh, to, to be gay. Like it's, it's anything. It just needs the proper paperwork, and then they're fine. Like there's, there's paperwork to, to make a relationship formal, and then there's an extra form if it's a same-sex relationship. I'll, I'll go on and I'll repeat this. Uh, it's totally just the central bureaucracy from Futurama. And if you don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about, look up the Futurama episode titled How Hermes Requisitioned His Groove Back. And you'll, you'll, yeah, yes, that's Azir right there. Yeah, Dave's right. Uh, anyway, Bridge Four auditions uh, because they, they have, what, 28 out of 35 good bridge crew. Um, they're, they're down a few people, and it's like, hey, you know, we have some hanger-ons. We've had some people that are helping us and other uh, bridge crews. Let's let's try to get them into bridge for itself. So let's have Calvin's some auditions. not going to lose any more friends, remember? Yeah, that's the plan, but let's get it back up to 35-ish. Um, uh, Lynn is one of the scouts. Uh, she's been delivering messages to bridge four, um, and Kaladin is an idiot at <laughs> About how he talks for to her. For a second. For a second, yes. He's he's a little dense. And, like, she totally wants to be a part of Bridge 4. And he's like, hey, cool, you could be our scribe because you're a girl. And it's like, no, <laughs> you moron. She wants to be a Bridge 4, like, actual legit member. Fly in the sky, let's do this thing. Fly in the sky. 
Um, he makes assumptions. He acts on them. As soon as he's given alternate information, he he goes back on that assumption. Kaladin is better than Wax. <laughs> Way better than Wax. <laughs> oh, snap. You knew where you were going Wax. as soon as you started saying that. Oh, man. <laughs> it's so true. Anyway, uh, good Clark questions. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I got this. Sigzel uh, is still pestering Kaladin as they're walking to where they're going. He's like, okay, but Kaladin, what about housing and and food and supplies and like how are we doing all the things and Kaladin's like uh I don't know those are good clerk questions Kaladin has always had someone above him in the military to decide those things for him previously yeah and and now he is the adult oh no I mean this should be like a staff sergeant that that should be handling the these this level of logistics right like that's that's what he needs except he needs like 10 of them that sounds he about only right. manages thirty people. Well, he's not well, also they're... not there for a lot of the time, man. It's it's not just thirty people; it's all of the former bridge crews because Dalinar got all of them. Oh, uh, but Bridge Four is twenty eight people. So there's the core group of Bridge Four, but there's also uh, the other bridge crews that are acting as guards and other things. So, right. Ideally, Kaladin shouldn't be making these decisions. People under him should be working out what the logistical problems are and how to fix them, and then presenting him with solutions that he can just say yes to and approve resources for. Right. He needs to delegate a bit. Oh, he's trying he's to a... with Sigzel, but Sigzel doesn't have anybody else to, like, ask about this. He's a president without a cabinet. There's there's Sigzel, there's Teft, there's Rock, and there's the Lopin. How many of those people are going to be helpful in this? The Lopin, always. You don't need anyone else. Come on. And then uh, they go to pick up uh, some sacks that they requisition just to, to use. They're going to borrow them, but it's filled with emeralds, which is a wealth of emeralds. And anyway, they're doing it because they're invested. So chapter 36. Why, do, why did I just hear a weird voice? Who said that? Said what? Requisition. <laughs> what? Did, uh -huh. did someone just <laughs> run a pronunciation guide by you? I, that's what it sounded like, and I'm confused. I'm like, where did that come from? That was no one's voice. I mean, it's just a voice in your head. That's so weird. My money's on Dave. What did I say? <laughs> I don't even know what I you said. You said requisition, which isn't anything, but it's close <laughs> enough that I was going to just let it go. But but you're making something of this, so we're going to dig in. No, I didn't make someone else did that. <laughs> Now I have to listen to this episode so I can hear what happened, because I'm so confused. Chapter 36, wherein we stop being confused. Hero, when you're a shard blade, every problem is a fighting. A mystery sent by Shishi. Gavilar has some bad news. I can't believe I fell for another Sanderson death fake out. End scene. <laughs> uh, am I doing this or someone I else? I really can't, but like, I'm so mad. <laughs> you have yeah. no idea. I'm actually surprised you also fell for it. The thing was, I believed that Dalinar was that bloodthirsty. That's the thing. I think you're supposed like, to believe that way. Up, he built up Dalinar's reputation in the eyes of the reader to a level where that, the lie was believable. But we, we definitely talked about that in spoiler time the week that chapter came up. Yeah, Dalinar wasn't ashamed because he killed a kid. He was ashamed because he didn't. We, we uh, talked about it as in, sense. I'm surprised Dave even uh, 
didn't even question it. He just like accepted and moved on. Everyone's alive until proven dead or in flashback. Nobody, no crime. There was no body. No body, Sean. Am I reading this or someone else interpreting this one? Uh, I think we got it. There's a flashback and we find out that Dalinar didn't kill the kid. I I do have to say, though, that uh, I think Evie is super cute. She's like she's like the like awkward foreign girl cute kind of way. Like, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, oh, look at the cute little flame sprint. They're playing. (laughs) And Dalinar's like, I'm pretty sure one of them has a shard blade. Like, they're fighting. They're totally fighting. (laughs) <laughs> is everything a fighting to you, dear? Uh, so she is pregnant with Adolin, presumably, in this chapter. And I think we we have uh, Elicar is mentioned as well. So, you know, it's a little time frame. I think Elicar might have already been born in the last flashback, but I don't remember. Yeah, he's, anyway. he's older than Adolin. I, I think he's, oh, yeah. like, late 20s. So... Anyway, Gavilar shows up and he's like, Downer, how can we kill that kid? Now we got a problem. Uh, and there is also a hint about Evie telling Downer to seek a favor from the Night Watcher. Because, you know, she's a pagan or something. Not a pagan, but that's... That's what Downer says. A heretic, but yeah. They're not I'm quite pretty... synonymous in this case. I, I mean, they're not synonymous, but I think that Dalinar does use the word pagan from his... Actually, viewpoint. I think you're right. Yeah. It's a pagan, but they'll go to the Night Watcher. And that's it for Flashback 36. I have some spoilery stuff to ask about in from this chapter, but let's move on. Okay, go ahead, shoot. <laughs> chapter 37, The Last Time We March. I think I should know race. That's a shard bearer, but I can't remember yeah. which one. Odium. You totally know race. Okay. Basically, I I think it's Frost is like, Hoy, don't you worry about Odium. Let me worry about Blank. All right. Who's Lunamore? Okay. I need need to time out here because this, like, first paragraph of this chapter is Brandon totally trashing on Craig before we even started the podcast. (laughs) No, it's true. It, It is. I I can't pronounce I I can't say it. I'm a airsick lowlander. I'm sorry. Your lowlander speech cannot. I can't. Yeah, my no. tongue doesn't move in this. Numuhuku makiaki I alunamore. Numuhuku makiaki I alunamore can see into the cognitive realm. So who's lunamore? That's his name. Yeah, that, that's no, his, his name. Numuhuku makiaki I alunamore. Yeah, that's the a full name. Name like a description. But the actual last, like, two syllables is his real name. You know how you're Dave instead of David Humu Makiaki Ayalunamore? I <laughs> <laughs> thought you were going to say, like, you know, instead of, you know, we have William the Conqueror, but he's he's called Conky for short. <laughs> what? But his name, his full title, like, in description included is William the Conqueror, but his actual real name is Conky. Yeah, just like that. Okay. <laughs> So Lunamore is Numihuku Makiaki Aya Lunamore without all the bells and whistles. But then why doesn't he just let people call him Lunamore? I think Airsick Lowlanders can say that. It's probably just how he thinks of himself. It, it's kind of like, you know, I, I tell you guys my name is Tori and I go by Tori. But if I have to sign any official documents, it's going to be Victoria. Okay. Um, my best Lunamore? guess is Numihuku Makiaki Aya Lunamore. 
assumes that it's not like the length or complexity of his name, just airsick lowlanders can't get any of that. So rock. I believe it. <laughs> has a son named more different rock. <laughs> Alright. Uh Numihuku Alunamore can see into the cognitive realm. Then how come he couldn't see that Yasna was alive? Hmm. And does he know why kids love the taste of, of cinnamon toast crunch? <laughs> Airsick Lowlander, second class. Lopin finally called himself the Lopin. Squires for Kolinar. Numihuku Makiaki Ayalunamore attunes the rhythm of needing. Numihuku Makiaki Ayalunamore can't see Renarin's spren. Truth Watcher equals progression plus illumination. Numihuku Makiaki Ayalunamore is so respectful it borders on being silly. Borders? Fendorana. Haber jumped in surprise. Smoke in the west. Next scene. I imagine this scene as the Lopin tossing a spear to Rock, and Rock just stands there as the spear flies past him, and the real Princess Unulukuaka Utuatai is here. Or, next scene, we learn her name is Song for short. Or, Tuakalina call me nor for real, you know. Anyway, Bridge 4 is no more. All right, Craig, I need you to recap the chapter and pronounce all of the Horn Eater names. So, uh, I will pronounce um, names as I know them. You ain't getting what you want. All right, so first off, we've got Raze. Who is Odium, Odium Shardholder. Um, but you should also know who Aeona and Sky are. Uh, Honor and Cultivation? Incorrect. Mm. Uh, endowment and Elantris. Incorrect. Uh, well, Elantris and Elantris, yes. Elantris and Elantris, yes. Devotion Dominion and Dominion. Devotion yeah. and vi- devotion and Dominion. <laughs> devotion and divinity. Got it. Yep. Demotion. That's who they were. Dude, can you imagine if there were a demotion shard? Maybe there is. That... Okay. What would the demotion shard do? Just like knock people down a notch? Yeah, no, there can't be one because all of the other shards would have been demoted if that was the case. Or failed and would have been demoted to splinters. Anyway, let's move on. All right, so who is Lunamore? This is an absolutely new character that we've never heard of before. (laughs) I I thought Craig was going to recap for us. Oh, I I didn't know I was still doing that. Um, so uh, right, so this. Chapter is from Rock's perspective. Uh, he's making some stew, as he does. And they're out on the Shattered Plains. Uh, they, being all of Bridge 4, are out doing some training. Because that is what Bridge 4 do. The The Shattered Plains are theirs. Um, so that's where they go to practice, rather than practice Santa Rethor. Um Right, right but this is, the, uh, this is, this is the um, tryouts for the Windrunners. No, mm-hmm. it's also that. Well, it's he's also that, yeah. Lynn and the rest of the scouts there. He wants to see if anyone can actually, you know, eat emeralds and whatever other <laughs> things they have. Um, like just the to see. ogre from Final Fantasy. Because it just happens. And then you're like, hey, you're one of us because you're a squire. Um, yeah, anyway, that was a ruby, wasn't it? It was a Final ruby. Fantasy. Yeah. In the randomizer, it can be an emerald, though. Oh, that's neat. So it's explained that Rock can actually see more into the cognitive realm. He can actually sort of see. I mean, one, he could see Sprint even if they're trying to hide. For example, he can always see Syl. Um, normally, people can't see Syl unless she reveals herself. But he, he can also, like, 
sort of see more of Spring, which which is a little bit weird. Yeah, so um, he can see their shadows in the cognitive realm, not to be confused with cognitive shadows. Yes. Or are they to be confused with cognitive shadows? That's a personal choice that you have to make for yourself, Dave. <laughs> Do I have uh, to fill out the proper paperwork? If you're an easier, yes. Um, but the reason he couldn't see Yasna is because she was not standing there for him to see. She was, you know, what, on the ocean? And then... Now, that's interesting. If she were close to him geographically, but, like, just in the cognitive realm, would he be able to see a shadow of her, even though she doesn't have any representation in the physical realm to cast that shadow? No, I don't think so. Um, this, he can see Sprint because they they leak through. Like, you could see a little bit of them in the physical realm. Um I don't I don't think he could just see everything in the cognitive realm. He can just see things that sort of leak through. Yeah, I think Yasna would have to have at least some bit poking into the physical realm for him to see her. Mm. Um Airsick Low Le- Le- Airsick Lowlander second class <laughs> is a promotion given to uh what's his name? Hoya? Huyo. Huyo, yeah. Lopin's Which, cousin. The Lopin's cousin. His Two only cousin. There are no other cousins. <laughs> Um, third of five he uh he doesn't quite speak um alethi that well so yes um but he does uh you know he changes a little bit to the stew and he's like what are you doing don't ruin the stew not the stew drink this was a drink i thought he changed the stew no turn the iced tea into hibachi or well okay so the drink and he's like here try it try it and rock tries it and he's like all right you live this time and then I think I call you an airsick lowlander second class. Yeah. He made a cool, refreshing drink a little bit spicy, which made it way better. Yeah. And it's actually uh, Bridgeford didn't like the drink before when he made it. So they totally like it now. So well done. Um, yeah. I don't know. Lopin called himself the Lopin because he talks about himself in the third person sometimes. And is this, this is where he sticks himself to the ground, right? That's great. He kisses the ground goodbye and says that he'll... He'll he gives always... it a lengthy hug, <laughs> kiss goodbye, so that way she doesn't get jealous and he knows that he loves her best. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Squires for Colinar? I Is that just when... Is yeah, that Alucard, the part where Alucard pops up? Okay. Yeah, Alucard pops up and asks Kaladin uh, if he can train his people within, was it four weeks or something? 20 days. Right, if, if we can go days. recapture... Well, that's uh, for Rosharian weeks, I think. They have to go ca- recapture Kolinar and, yeah. well, and investigate Kolinar. They don't actually know what's going on there yet. That's true. Um, but he knows something's up, and, and it would be nice if uh, Kaladin could bring a couple squires. And ideally, if Kaladin can leave a Windrunner, like a full, full oathed Windrunner behind. He well, has not a full true Watcher but... cousin. Uh, so you know, he says, "Can you have?" Can you train your people in 20 days? And Kaladin says, I sure hope so. Yep. Um, Rock attunes. Oh, and, and while Rock is uh making s- some of his food, um, he, he hears like a rhythm. Like when he's like, I guess I, I think he is kneading. So when he's like pounding the dough and then he hears a rhythm that his, his mother would sort of make. So that's cool. Yeah, he actually audibly hears the rhythm of his mom's cooking song. Yeah. Which is. Kind of interesting. I'm Rock is more in tune with invested type stuff, so I wonder if you know there is some actual power that you know 
I, I, I don't I, I'm not going to assume this is all just in his head, basically. All right. Uh, so Rock cannot see uh, Gliles, Gliss, Gliss, or uh, which is hasn't seen him yet. Hasn't seen him yet. Accurate. Numihuku Makiaki or Lunamore hasn't either. Which is a uh, Renarin sprint, but I mean Gliss. that doesn't necessarily mean anything. He could just be hiding. Uh, but haven't they seen him in sword form? Because yeah, oh yeah, Renarin has to open the oath gates, so like they must have seen Gliss in sword form. Yeah, yeah but sword form doesn't count. Just like Alf in Pog form. No, that well, totally, totally counts. counts. He's back in Pog form. Um. So, Truth Watcher, that's what Renarin is. Uh, their surges There's are progression. Truth Watcher. That's an order, I think. Yeah, one of the ten Radiant Orders. Yeah. What did I say? You didn't say anything. I just want to make sure I had the terminology right. Um, Their surges are progression and illumination. And illumination, like feel? we've... So... Illumination, like we've seen, is also shared by the Light Weavers. Um, You know, images and stuff. Progression would be the healing one. Which we've seen before with Lift. Does Lift have the progression surge? Yes. Growth and okay. regrowth. And also slickeriness. Well, those awesome. are... I'm sorry. Those Awesomeness. Are, wait. Those are... Those are powers. Well, the, yeah. the surge... surge. So each... We've gone over this before. Um, each... Each order has two surges, which give them yes. three powers or something? Not necessarily three. Just each each order has two surges. Each surge does one or two specific things. Right. So edge dancers, which is what lift is, has progression and abrasion. Abrasion is she can mess with friction and progression is the healy and the plant growy and the plant. Yeah. Oh, so if uh, Renarin wanted to say, for example, grow some vines to break a window to bust into someone's house to steal pancakes, he could do that. Yep. Well, maybe. Yes. No, he totally could. Well, but the surges act differently in the different orders. So yeah. the answer is possibly, but we don't know that. So Kaladin surges are adhesion and gravitation? Um, think so. And with adhesion, he can stick to stuff or he can make stuff stick to stuff. With gravitation, he can change which way is down for him or something he touches, or he can make stuff fly toward a thing. Like the shields. Right. Yeah. But... It, what's interesting is when Windrunners describe their abilities, they call them the three lashings, like based on how they do the lash, like a half. Isn't it like half lash, full lashing? Like that's sort of how they describe it's it. It's it's very specific to Windrunners that even though um, uh, what's it called? Um, adhesion. Bondsmiths also have adhesion. Adhesion. They they use it differently. Like it's just we actually no didn't. I don't know. There might Dalinar be more advanced versions way. of it, but no, Dalinar uses it. When he gets around to using stuff, he uses it the same. Yeah, no, that's, I, that's I, a bad example. I don't think we've got to the part in this book where we see him using it. Dave, minor spoilers. Dalinar no, sticks we a totally chair to did. a wall. We, he totally sits climbed a wall. And then Elopin sits on it. <laughs> All right. I know uh, I've just ruined the whole book for you. Dalinar sticks a chair <laughs> to a wall. I could have sworn we right. No, I'm. Yeah. I think we we did that part. I could see this scene where Dalinar sticks a chair to a wall, and then the Lopin goes and he goes, "Ooh!" and he sits on it, and he said, oh, "I wanted an armchair, but now I have an arms chair." All right, so so moving on. Uh, while Wait, they're what's doing, the thing? All right, so surges are like the power categories. So what's yeah? 
What are the things? Are they essences? The the blood and wind and stone and those things. What are those called? Essences. They are ten essences. Yeah, that's that's what I was asking you. What are the essences called? Yep. They're called essences. <laughs> yep. Makiaki Ialunamor is so respectful. It borders on Billings. Who's Fendurana? Is that the honor spren that shows up? Yeah, so yeah. while Bridge 4 the, is... The queen honor spren? Is busy working like, out. Um, they that Rock notices that the, a group of uh Sprin Honor Sprinter are there, like checking things out, like what's going on over here. And there's one that's like big human size. Um, and then of course he does his bowing and and the things that he does, and it's like this is this is big though. It's not just one; it's like a bunch of them. So he has to you know give them a proper offering because they they're little pieces of divinity. Um, and of course, I'm, still... I'm picturing them all in like suits and sunglasses, like the talent scouts at a sports event. <laughs> and um, uh, of course, I didn't write this down, but uh, of course, Silfrena is cute and smug about it. And they're like, ah. So Sil- Sil's the one who pops up and says that he's so respectful sometimes that it borders on being silly. And it's what he's still, you know, it's just what you do. Um, but yeah, Fenderana is the big human size honor sprint um and it's he asks sill like who she is and it's like sort of a mother sort of he, he she the, remembers her voice she's the it's... storm ant i don't think yeah. she is i think okay so Silfrena previously mentioned an ant who fights some sort of other or who like hunts gloom spren is that it i i remember the ant hunting some kind of spren yes yeah i and, don't remember like, any of that it's like the equivalent of light eyes hunting chasm fiends. And yeah, this is not that ant as far as I know. Right. She seems to be someone important. She's sort of directing the other honor sprint. So and then eventually, like, she's the one who accepts uh, Rock's offering first and then she goes off. But the anybody other else honor think, sprint stays. Anybody else think Craig was about to drop a spoiler on us there? No. What? Of course I don't. OK. I don't know okay. what you're talking about. Yeah, wait, wait to point things out, Mike. It might not be a spoiler by the time I listen to this episode, though. Eh, it's a long book. <laughs> Fendrana drifts. So what? What happened next, Craig? Uh, so next we have Haber jumped in surprise, um, because he breathes in some stormlight, and he's well, th- he didn't actually jump because he didn't fix his legs yet, but it, they're you, working you, on it. You can jump from a seated position without using your legs. I he guess butt jumps. True. It's like the opposite of a like how Yoshi does a ground pound. It's the opposite of that. Anyway, Haber had his his legs like sliced through a char blade in the last book. So now that he can breathe in some storm, some spheres, though, we won't it's, have it's, to call him Hobbler good, anymore. It's a good touching moment because everyone's like, quick, give him all your spheres. And everyone's like, you know, camaraderie. And, and it's the most touching thing that happens in this chapter. And then they notice I mean, smoke in the West. It is. The other stuff does happen that's good, but you're right, it is. Mm. And then they know some smoke in the West and decide to go check it out. So, the smoke in the West is like a caravan that was attacked. Um, Apparently there was a scuffle between some Voidbringers and and, uh, the people in the caravan. And Rock's a little worried, and then he sees some people with red hair pop up, and it's his family! Look at that! He's got family. And there they are. Um, and I think I'm supposed to think that the one redheaded lady is Unuluka Kautu Atai. Yeah, I don't you know the princess. The princess. You don't remember Princess Unuluka Kautu Atai? Right. Oh, 
the Lopin does throw a spear at him, and Rock. I in my mind, I picture that's Rock just steps to the side to dodge it. That's how I pictured. I imagine him being completely emotionless and just letting it fly by his side. <laughs> I imagine it like just bouncing off his chest. <laughs> I I imagine him catching it like a badass and then just sticking it in the ground because he's not going to use it. So uh, uh, I was going for humor. Tori was going for badassery. So anyway, I feel like, yeah, I feel it, like mine does both. It's his family. Um, yeah, there, there's a bunch of them. Um, his wife is Song, right? And then they have I know there's no. kids. his wife's not Song. His wife is Tuaka Lina. His wife is Song. Um, they have a baby song. They have a baby rock. They have cord. Baby um, rock. Oh, you remember that uh, that scene from Avatar: The Last Airbender when uh, when Toph is like doing the pro wrestling and she's fighting against the boulder and she's like, "Is that all you got? The pebble?" <laughs> it made me think of that. The boulder, famously voiced by Mick Foley. Uh, but yeah, basically, I think. I feel like uh, Rock's son would be named Pebble, except... Uh, I'm sorry. I feel like Numehuku Makiaki Ayalunamore's son oh. would be named... Boy, you're the one that corrupted me. Would be named Pebble, except that Numehuku Makiaki Ayalunamore is not familiar with that word in Alefi. But he would call his son Pebble if he knew the Alefi word. Um, the eldest is Gift, I believe that's her name. Correct me if I'm wrong. And it's pronounced Gift. I think I missed one, right? Isn't there someone else I missed? There's other song. There's song and other song. Well, song is his song. wife, and I did say they also had baby song, as in... Oh, uh, you said baby kid. song. Yeah. Also known as a uh, river song. Beautiful song. Beautiful song. Yeah. And did I did I miss one or two? I might have missed a couple of kids. I think there were five kids, because there were six horn eaters in total that they meet up with. Let's see. Baby rock, baby song, chord, gift. So I did miss one. Uh, what was Cord's a twin? What was the brother's name? This this Cord. No. Anyway, Bridge Four is no more, and that's the end of chapter thirty-seven. Well, okay. There's a discussion about what Bridge Four is that he has with Kaladin, because it's sort of like with well, the, the physical object. In. The physical object of the bridge is no more. The, you know, oh, you're talking about that. I'm talking about the discussion he had with Kaladin, where it's like this isn't really Bridge Four, and he's like. Sure it is. Oh, wait, no, he was talking to someone else about that. Where Renarin. Like, he's talking to Renarin, and he's like, Renarin's yeah. like, I'm not really Bridge 4. I'm too weird to be Bridge 4. And Numuhuku Makiaki Ayalunamore looks around. He's like, there, there's the Lopin. There's Relaine. I really don't think you're the weirdest one here, kid. <laughs> so that was the whole big discussion where Bridge 4 is more than just physical, you know, people in the group. It's it's more than just that. Um, And then, yes... At the very end of the chapter, Rock mentions that this is like the last time they really need to carry this bridge because they're going to be flying. Yeah. So bridge for the object is no more. Not the group. Yeah. And that's it, huh? Anything else for this chapter? This was, I think, the best chapter in the book so far. This is the, the bridge for send-off. It was one of my 37 favorite chapters so far. <laughs> one of not counting I, the interludes. I don't remember specific chapters like from here forward, but this is definitely the best one so far on the reread. Well, there's only one other chapter. Remember, we finished Oathbringer today. With yeah, that's 38. right. Uh, chapter 38, Broken People. Dalinar joins the vision as Corporal Roitley. First name, Mallard. But um, bum. 
was funny. Stone wards can make ladders out of laterals. Navani and Yasna are here. Sergeant Roitley. Dal and Navani wander off and find the nine honor blades. Stormfather tells them the truth about the recreants. Heralds infused in oaths and yada yada yada. So you're telling me Talon withstood damnation by himself for thousands of years? Yes. Wait, the recreants was something different. This is the thing that's hard to pronounce. And that's set for chapter 38. Thanks for correcting yourself because I was going to. Yeah. It actually, after Stormfather tells the story of the thing that's hard to pronounce, uh, Navani's like, oh, is this how, is this what led to the recreants? And Stormfather's like, I'm not telling. And that's it. All right. Should we all count to three and try to pronounce the thing that's hard to pronounce? Wait, all of us? All of us together. One, two, three, Aharietium. Oh, I like Mike better. Craig and Tori for not joining. I thought in you there. were tricking me, so I was not joining in because I thought That's you fair. wanted specifically me just to say something. I don't have to trick you for that. I can just ask you for that. I missed a syllable, so That's I think true. Mike got it. Ahariatium. Yeah, I, I joined in. I don't know why you didn't hear me. Your thing didn't light up. I don't know. That's the end of this week's chapters. Cue the thing. No, Play tell it. us what really happened. Dalinar joins the vision as Corporal Roitley. You know, Mallard Roitley. I already posted a rimshot gif for you, man. I don't know what else you want from me. <laughs> uh, you did You did say it. Man, that, that monkey looks so, like, fed up. Where did you post this rimshot gif, Michael? Uh, spoiler-free episode discussion, a channel in our Discord, which you can join by heading to patreon.com slash cosmerecast. Oh, man, but I don't have any money to give us. Oh, that's okay. The link to the Discord is there, and you don't have to pay to access that part. Oh, I'll be right there. Put them... Hey, guys, it's me, Dave. I just joined the Discord. What's going on? Are you guys recording today? Wait, how are you in our recording if you aren't a patron? That's uh, that's a patron-only gift. Or not I'm gift, a mod. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, Downer joins a vision as... Uh, Corporal Mallard Roitley, and we see a more different Surge Binder, which we might have actually seen in Way of Kings. It's a Stone Ward, and he can make, uh, he make la- he's, this actually is an Earthbender, actually. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it specifically says that Stone Wards share a Surge with, um, with the thing that Dalinar is, which is words. Thank you. One of them, and that Dalinar can do this eventually. He can he can make cliff ladders, and that's it. That's the end of the use of his power. <laughs> I thought you said he could Unless stick a chair a to chair. a wall. Yeah, which makes the whole cliff ladder thing like redundant. If oh, you can yeah, just stick a chair to Kaladin a wall, sticks, Kaladin sticks rocks to a, a cliff wall. Well, who needs who needs the earth bend? All right. Uh, so of course, uh, Dalinar. Brings his uh, wife and his niece into the vision so that they can have a little history lesson. And then these scholars his, bring them in. His PC gets a promotion to sergeant and uh, climb down that cliff, sergeant. I don't care if your arm got chopped off. And then Kaladin, or not Kaladin, and then Dalinar goes and his arm comes back and then he climbs down the hill. Uh, and then the Vani and Yasna show up. And, you know, Dalinar asks Yasna, like, 
what's it like to be a heretic? How do you cope with everything? And Yasna's just like, you get used to it. <laughs> so they, you know, she goes to explore one part of the vision, and Navani and Dalin are going. They they happen upon the Honor Blades, and so I guess this vision takes place during the prelude of Way of King, or just after it. Yeah. So so Yasna's like, here's some advice about being an atheist. No, no, and she's also, all like, come on, Uncle, you're not just a heretic. Yeah, you can be so much more. You can be all these things and a heretic. It's great, but we shouldn't be talking about this now because we're on a time limit. Well, the, the thing is, you know, Yasna's all these other things that people could associate with her. But the thing is that, the, you know, most people will just associate the stuff that they see as bad and apply the supposedly bad labels to a person. I mean... Because it makes them feel better about themselves. By that metric, Dalinar still, like, heretic is, like, third at best. <laughs> I mean, Blackthorn, I think, is number one. Usurper's up there. Yeah. Murderer. No, no, hey, didn't mass he murder that, murderer. He murders that little kid to get his shard blade, remember? Assassin, because, you know, he totally killed Sadius. Oh, right, yeah. Okay, but even... You know, the true stuff, people will apply those labels if they can view somebody negatively. Anyway, what happened? All right, so I miss I misunderstood what recreance referred to. Recreance is when the radiance, like, as an entirety, just, like, gave up, right? Yeah, which is another okay. vision that Dalinar has seen. Oh, uh, yeah. So this is just the, uh, the, the ten dudes, well, the nine dudes... The last desolation. That, the last desolation. That happened, except also there was another as, one. Also known as the thing that's hard to pronounce, uh, where the heralds, you know, miraculously during this desolation. Oh, so yeah, this the whole like history of the desolations is really interesting. So you know, Odium uh, kind of got these got these Parshendi, and you know. The the well like Odium gets the dead Parshendi to fuse themselves with living Parshendi to like live for vengeance and stuff like that. And so the Heralds, in order to keep them in check, make a deal with Honor and you know, they're like, Oh, we can we can totally like we could totally hang out with these these uh dead Parsh Parshendi in hell and you know, we can we can hang out with them there and be tortured along with them and keep them in check. But uh, then one of, you know, they they require all 10 of them to stay strong. But if any one of the 10 breaks, then the fused break out and, you know, take over more like, the modern Parshendi at the time and cause a desolation. So basically, like all 10 people have to withstand torture and nobody tap out. And if one person taps out, then a desolation happens. Yes. Yeah, I think when they yep. made the deal, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to go be tortured. It was, we're going to go and hold the fused there. And as long as we stay there, they have to stay there too. And then Odium was like, ooh, hey, I have an idea. Torture. Uh. And while they're all there, they all share, like, whatever pain one of them is experiencing, they all share. So if only one of them gets captured, then it's... Like, whatever they're doing to that one person is only at, like, one-tenth strength, because it's spread throughout everybody. Yeah, it's like, in Final Fantasy, you have, like, if you cast fire on one enemy, it does, like, 200 damage. But if you cast it on a group of four enemies, it does 50 to each. So, yeah, there's, like, 
there's there's two phases to the to the game where yeah I you think try Mike not to was saying the opposite of what Dave said. No, no, it tracks. If you the have total all total damage, can, yeah, the total pain is the same, but it gets divided among whatever heralds are there. Yes. And so, like, if you if you die in battle during the desolation, then you automatically go back to damnation immediately, and then the rest of them voluntarily return to damnation so that the ten of them can be there together. But then this this one time, the the final desolation, only Talon LNL Stone Thin you perishes, and they're like, hey, you know what? Like in the thousands of years that we've been doing this, uh. All of us have tapped out at least once, but Talon never did. Uh, he can probably handle ten times the torture all by himself, and then they bail. Uh, and it turns out that Talon is able to withstand the torture <laughs> for was four thousand five hundred years, was it? Hey Dave, were they right? <laughs> what do you think? I mean, this was the longest period of time between desolations, so it wasn't necessarily the worst choice. I mean, it's a very terrible, awful thing to do to Talon LNL Stone Thin you. And we, we get to see the result of her decision. But I mean, as far as humanity as a whole, this is like, this is exactly what Terry Vangian would have done if he had, if he had run the numbers and figured out that Talon could, uh, solo, solo the job for four and a half millennia. Uh, exactly what Terry Vangian would have done is not a point in their favor. Depends who you ask. If you ask Terry Vangian, for instance, it would be a point in their favor. But if you asked, uh, a radiant, you know, life before death and all that. They would probably be like, oh man. Oh, but wait, when did, hold on, when did they institute the oaths? Like the life before death, strength before weakness, and journey before destination. Were those oaths instituted before or after the Ahari ATM? Before. I, I mean, hard to pronounce. that was something required by Sprint. That, no, that was to bond the Sprint, right? Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. it's kind of like the, the nine are choosing life before death, right? <laughs> Hey, technically well, holding to our oaths. The best kind of holding to our oaths. The, the thing you have to realize is that they are not all part of their own radiant orders. In fact, only Nail is. Yeah, that we that's know actually something that, that I was I was going to ask about Nail is we see the nine honor blades here. But, I mean, well, they're all alive, all nine of them, including Nail. And we see Nail with his own shard blade. Yep. So, like... Does Nail actually have his honor blade, or does he have a different shard blade that he got sometime over the years? He Rayfo. has his shard blade. Rayfo. Rayfo. Oh. Part four of this book explains all of that. Rayfo. <laughs> he said that he has his shard blade, so he didn't even answer the question. Thank you, Dave. He all has right. his shard blade that he got somewhere at some point. That's all I, would, I know. I would like to go to spoiler time. Anything <laughs> else for anybody? Nope. I'm good. All right, play the thing five minutes ago. Bye, Dave. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye, Dave. And Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Okay. Yeah. What was I going to ask? Oh, uh, so... The flame spren with a shard blade. Is there any possibility at all that that's an ash spren and not a flame spren? Do we know what those look like? I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's an ash. I think it. I think it was just. So my interpretation of that scene is that Dalinar 
sees fighting because that's what he do. And Evie sees playing because that's her perspective of the world. I don't think we're supposed to read too much into it. But we can read too much into it, which is <laughs> what we kind of what we do here. I'm trying to look up a physical realm. Ashburn appear as cracks that appear to grow on surfaces or branch of the air. So that would not be that looks nothing like a flame spring. Dang. OK, next thing. Right. Um, I know we have a good amount of evidence that Evie is legitimately from Roshar, but she also uses idioms that don't translate. Yeah. Which is a world hopper thing. Right. Is there literally any chance, any chance at all, that she's not from Roshar? I I, I will give you 20% chance. I don't know about uh, Evie in particular, but maybe her people are not originally from Roshar. I, the thing we've said before is that you keep an eye out for people who have trouble trying to describe certain phrases. Um, but typically... That's where they sound like they speak, for example, perfect Alethi, um, yet they try to use some weird idiom. Um, Which is exactly what we get in this chapter. But but we know she's foreign. We know she doesn't actually speak perfect Alethi. It's frequently dated. Uh, uh, Texas Blade just asks if we are secret project spoilers deep. I'm avoiding it. I personally, if you guys want to talk secret spoilers... We have a a whole channel of secret books in the Discord. Um, yeah, I, I don't think know. Eventually, once the books are released, we will have to include them in our oh, yeah. spoiler time because this is spoilers for everything. But right now, all we have is like two preview book chapter things. So, and I'm actively avoiding spoilers for these as yeah, much as I'm... I'm able to. I'm not going there at this time, not because I'm actively avoiding them, but because I do not have my life together, and so I haven't caught up on the secret chapters that have been released so far yet. Well, Sorry. I can be there. I would say post in our secret books uh, Discord channel, and we can chat. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so basically the signs are sort of what is described as Eevee, and I did have the same thought of you as you, Mike, where I'm like, you know, normally when they have problems trying to say certain phrases or it doesn't quite translate, that's like a, this is a world hopper sign. But I'm like, I'm I'm like very certain Eevee's not supposed to be a world hopper. But there's still yeah. that, that part that's like, these are the signs we need to look for, and she's giving those signs. Like, I'm, I'm up front saying this is weak. This is extremely weak and almost certainly not right, but the there are there are hints, there are bits. Yeah. What else we got for for this? Oh, I got a bunch of stuff. Yeah, go. I'm I'm, sure I'm gonna <laughs> I am going to have to let you guys do that without me because I've gotta go do another thing tonight. <gasps> okay. I'm sorry. Have I'm fun. Gonna... Be have fun anyway. playing D D. Okay. Good night, Internet. Uh, Bye, I have Tori. to be quick. I do have to get a, a baby to bed. So, okay, um, talk quickly. Yeah, the only thing I really wanted to to really talk about. I mean, th there is a couple things mostly related to the sprint. I don't know what spoiler you thought I was going to say, but uh, I friend... I thought you were going to tell Dave that like Fendrana or whatever her name is bonds with person. I don't even remember who she bonds with. I know it's someone. She bonds with Teft. Okay, I that didn't remember Teft's that. That is Teft sprint. But yeah. I thought you were going to well, be so, like, yeah, she, she, you know, she chooses Teft to bond with and not, yeah, she takes the first Stormlight offering thing from Rock. Like, I didn't think you were saying that. Okay. No, I, I was not going to. I know 
I can avoid big spoilers like that. Don't worry. But we know it's her because if you remember Tef describing and talking about uh, his friend, like she's the one that always is human size. Like she's always frequently described as that. And here she is. This is her first the first time we actually get to see her. There she is. Um, so I honestly, I think at this point she is wandering off to go check in on Tef because he ain't there. He's busy getting high or whatever. I don't know what the equivalent is, but he's basically going. He's doing the drugs. The he's on drugs. Sand. Yeah. So I think she she went. She wandered off to go check in on him. That's what I think she went to go do, which is why Tell she Tell Rolling Stone that my last words were, I'm on drugs. Um. No, you haven't seen that one? Okay. No. Uh, as for the Dalar, the, the scene that we have where he goes back in time to get the vision. And this is uh, where the the heralds give up their blades. Tet or Teft Town never broke. Yeah, he is the best of them. Yeah, and he He's wasn't a king one. or a general or anything. He was just there. Them giving up the oath was the best thing they could have done for the planet, and it's only because of Gavilar, um it, that the true desolation has happened. So you know, Town never broke. Kudos to him. But yeah, so we get a little bit, we get another perspective of that scene, which you can reread. I hope Dave did a quick look into that because like that scene's important. And now he knows enough that he can read that, that first prologue prelude chapter, whatever the heck it was called in Way of Kings and, and maybe get a little bit more out of it. <laughs> yeah, this, this I think is the first time we have like enough extra information to make that bit worth a reread. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. There was I'm trying to remember. There's one more thing. Dave mentioned it and he was like really close to guessing something that is correct. And I don't remember what that is. Do you remember? He had a lot of pretty good guesses. I don't he remember. He had some good guesses this week. I just don't. There was something in particular that stood out. I'm like, hey, he's right. And I didn't. You know, I'm not going to say anything. OK. Also, the bridge for the physical object. Not gone ah, forever. It's coming that back. Is right. It's coming back in airship form. Air platform form. Air raft form, basically. Yeah. It is not a well-designed thing yet. I presume yeah. that it will get some rebuilds a few times. Oh, I remembered why I want... There's two things I want to mention. One is a side note. Lynn, uh, if you guys don't remember, uh, she does date Kaladin briefly, but he's a mopey boy and that did not work out well. And we're, we're, We just get text it, of it. It happens entirely off-screen between books three and four. Yeah, so... Uh, they date briefly. And then more importantly, though, this is we see a scene. This is in Rock's chapter where Renarin is chatting with Rock and then he goes to stand by Relaine. Like we know they those two end up together. So I'm keeping an eye out. And I think this is where they they start bonding a little bit. OK, I forgot about that. So I wasn't looking for it. Should keep that front of mind from now on. Yeah, I'm going to put it out when I notice it just because. I I want there to be more, and I'm sad there's not enough in the chapter because we do get this through a word of Brandon, and I don't like that when we get something like this important, and it's like, oh yeah, the Renarin is is gay, and it's like, well, can we see it on screen? Like, come on, like at least at least um, uh, yeah, give us give face? us real representation. Don't just Dumbledore this stuff, right? I I feel like he Dumbledored it a little bit. Uh, what what's the girl's name that uh Wayne likes? Forgot her name brief. Milan? No. The the one before Milan. Um begins with an R. Renette. But she 
is like is living with someone like there's there's more in the text that's like, hey, she's gay. But here we only get it through word of Brandon. So I'm a little sad. I'm keeping an eye out for it. I just want to make sure there are hints. And at least there's a little bit of something here. So I mean, it's more than we got. Even even Dumbledore. that wasn't that much. No, it's not a lot. But I'm still going to point it out. So and I think that's it. Yeah, I can't think of anything else relevant from these chapters. There's probably a bunch of stuff, but I don't know. There, there was a lot, but those are the things I wanted to talk about. What did my room? Yeah, but good bridge for bonding stuff. Really like that. That's a good scene. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Okay. Bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at @CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is "Traveling Made Up Continents" by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thank you.